Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with quilter Marcella Harville of Corinth, Mississippi. Marcella is a recipient of Max Folk Arts Fellowship Grant this year. She's also very active in her quilting community, and I cannot wait to discuss all the ways that Marcella enjoys and practices her craft. Marcella, welcome to the show, and congratulations on your fellowship. Thanks for having me. That was so exciting. <laughs> that was big news in Corinth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm so glad that you won. We had such an amazing group of fellowship grantees this year. We have 13 fellowship winners in the folk arts category, and they're all amazing. So um, I wanted to start talking to some on the Arts Hour. So Welcome on being our first fellowship guest. That <laughs> <laughs> started out right huh? <laughs> with quilts. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I just want to say I'm a little under the weather, but I'm feeling okay. So that just um, please excuse my voice. But uh, let's start out at the beginning. So you're from Corinth. Did you grow up in Corinth? Well, probably listeners from Mississippi will be able to tell I am not from Corinth. I've been here. For, this will be my 17th year in September. Um, so I do feel like Corinth is home now. Um, I grew up the first suburb south of Denver in Colorado is called Inglewood. And we lived there for 22 years. My parents had the same house. Uh, when I was in college, they moved up to Wyoming. Uh, and I finished uh, my college degree at uh, Colorado State University. And after I graduated, um, my sister said that I should come look for jobs. My youngest sister said I should come look for jobs up in Wyoming. So I'd gone up there and I'd got a job up there and I lived there for six years and I met my husband there and he was from Corinth. So that's how I ever ended up in Corinth, Mississippi. And I love it. <laughs> so it's, oh, wow. it's uh, we pay for all of our lovely weather in the summer. That's the, we, we don't have to pay with snow usually in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always tell people to come visit in the winter because it's just so nice, you know. Yeah. Yeah. My husband told me I'd only ever need a light jacket, but he's warmer than me because sometimes I do need a coat. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. Sometimes it does get cold, but I like how mild it is. I uh, went to school in the Midwest in Indiana and it gets pretty cold up there. Um, oh, I went to school two years at University of Evansville, uh, no Indiana. Okay, yep. yeah. So and then I transferred back to Colorado and finished up there. So. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I went to IU in uh, Bloomington. Yeah, yep. I've been to the campus. I, I didn't go there, but I've, I've I visited that campus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> we both spent time in Indiana. Uh, <laughs> well, let's get back, I guess, to uh, quilting fiber arts. I want to talk about your first introduction to, I guess, kind of anything with fiber arts was garment making, right? You started making yep. garments as a child. Can you talk about that? 
Yes, my mom is really excellent at garment sewing. She um sewed like Halloween costumes for my sister and um like she wanted to be a princess one year and mom had made her this amazing princess dress. So, and she's an excellent cook also. So she wanted to teach all of us to be able to cook and to sew. Um which cooking, she might not be as proud of me, but the sewing later I took off on. But so she taught me the first thing I ever sewed was gar a garment. Uh and I liked it, but I didn't love it. Garment sewing turned out to not be my thing. Um, but that did teach you how to sew and sew a straight line. And it taught you how to work a sewing machine and everything. And so for many, many years, uh, it was, that was when I was young. She taught me to do that. I was probably 14, maybe. And so, um, so for so many years, I didn't do anything with sewing. I'd crochet and I'd knit and I'd do other things. And, um, but I'd always wanted to make a quilt because I thought quilts were just beautiful and fantastic. I mean, I, if somebody would have given me a quilt, I would have loved them forever, you know, but so I always thought they were just beautiful art and I wanted to make one, but nobody I knew quilted. And so, um, it was, I decided, I finally decided one day, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and I'm going to take a quilting class. I'm going to do it. So I stopped, there's a quilt shop in Corinth and this was, uh, about, seven I've been quilting for seven years now so you know seven ish years ago I'd stopped at the quilt shop and uh I stopped in there but they weren't having any classes at that time she said well just watch on the Facebook and um she said you'll see when we post classes but like I was like I'm gonna do this you know I I, I want to do this right now so uh the internet being what it is I was like well you can find out how to do anything on YouTube I'm like I'm just gonna like do some searches on YouTube and see what I can figure out, you know, cause I know how to work a sewing machine. So I started doing some searches on YouTube and so, but it's overwhelming to know where to start. So then I started doing beginner quilts on YouTube. And so then I came across this Missouri star quilt company, which anybody that's quilting that listens to this will know them because they are a huge thing now. Um, and so they have all kinds of tutorials. They started out doing like, she wanted, they started out as a small shop and she'd do tutorials to try to boost her business. And so now they do tutorials like a couple every week, I think. But so she had this thing on there up to make a jelly roll race quilt. And it looked, so all I had to buy was this jelly roll. And what it is is strips of two and a half inch strips of fabric. And she showed you every single bit that you had to do. And so I was like, okay, I can do this because all you did was you just sewed straight lines, straight lines, and you made different cuts at different times, but she showed you, guided you every step of the way. And so that was my first quilt I ever made was a jelly roll race quilt, which a lot of quilters will be familiar with. It's just different strips of fabric and it comes out really pretty because it looks scrappy and you, where you make the cuts, you know, you sew all these strips together and where you make the cuts ends up mixing up, mixing it up. And so um, then, so I learned how to quilt on, YouTube. So I, I watched all these tutorials and all these gals kept saying that now there's men quilters too, but I watched a lot of gals that told me that I needed um, a walking foot to do the quilting. And so I listened to everything else YouTube told me, except I refused to believe that because I was like, well, if I needed a walking fit, it would come with my machine. And so Anyway, long story short, you do need a walking foot, people. If you're listening to this and not a quilter, they are right. Because my quilt, how it bunched up, I had to cut like 
probably a good six inches off of each end. So it ended up much shorter than it was supposed to be just because that was the one thing I would not listen to of all the, of, of all the YouTube advice <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> well, Marcella, can you just quickly explain what is a walking foot and kind of why it's useful? To oh, quick yes. Now, yeah. it's going to take me. Okay. So a quilt, what quilters think a quilt is, is a quilt sandwich. So you have, you piece together the top of your quilt and that's the part that looks so beautiful that everybody sees. And then you have to make the sandwich of the quilt. So the middle of your sandwich, the peanut butter is your batting typically. Uh, and it can be like a cotton batting, a wool batting, there's different kinds. And then the back of your quilt is oftentimes one solid piece of fabric, but sometimes people piece it together. Sometimes it's another quilt top. Um, that's interesting to watch too. And so then all of those pieces you sort of join together either with like a basting stitch or you'll join together with safety pins. I like to get use spray, the, the spray. A lot of quilters don't like that, but I do like it. Um, so everybody has their own technique. So you, you loosely fix all those together. And then you're going to, then you take this whole quilt and you're going to put it through your sewing machine. Now, some people at this point take it to their long arm quilter. I have had one quilt long arm quilted um, for me and I loved it. It's great. Um, so, but I, I chose to do it. I do a lot through my machine or by hand. Um, and I spray base to do it by hand too. And so then you're starting to make your quilting stitches that holds all those layers together. And the quilting can be fun because it adds a whole nother dimension to your quilt. But so this walking foot, what it does, typically your sewing machine foot is smooth because you're just trying to glide fabric through it. And you have feed dogs on the bottom of your sewing machine and it sort of grabs the bottom fabric and helps it go through. And so what a walking foot has is it has similar to the feed dogs, it has little grabbers so that the bottom is grabbing at the same rate as the top of your quilt because you have all those layers and you want them all to go through at the same time. So that walking foot helps get all those layers through the machine. Um, and if you don't have that walking foot, those layers are going through, even though you've tried to sort of loosely attach them together, they'll go through at different rates and it'll mess, it'll start, it'll make that bunching that I had at each end of, I was lucky it was at each end of the quilt and I could save the quilt actually. I have it still in my first quilt and I'll have it forever. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, of course. I wanted to ask you, you know, why you were, uh, I know that you had that background in sewing with garment making, and that seems like a huge skill set to have to jump into quilting um, by learning online. Were you able to ever like troubleshoot any of your problems uh, while you were kind of learning on YouTube with people like in person? Or was there any other quilters that you could kind of go to with questions? I didn't. At first on my journey, I did not talk to people online at first. Um, I'd been quilting for a couple of years and my mom had come to visit um, and we saw that they were doing a quilt show in um, a trunk show in Corinth. The, we didn't know it was the quilt guild we just, at that time. And so we, I told mom that I wanted to go. They were doing a silent auction in a trunk show where a quilter shows their quilts, but I didn't even fully know what that was at that time. And so we went to the trunk show and we had so much fun at the silent auction. We bought a huge box of yarn for like a couple bucks. And, you know, so we were having a good time. And then we sat down and watched this woman present all of her quilts. And it was just a fantastic experience. And my mom had been talking to a couple of the gals there. And she said, she said, Marcella, she said, 
they have meetings every month. She said, you might want to go to that. And I was like, yes, I would. And so that's how I got in the quilt guild. And once you're in a quilt guild, there are women in that guild that know how to do literally everything. Like if you want a way to clean your car out better, there's somebody that can help you. I mean, so um, they will give so many different good ideas of what you can do um, that you hadn't even thought of quilting wise or that you hadn't even seen. Um, but so that was the first guild I joined. And then I joined another guild because the guild in Ayuka has the retreat. So a lot of gals that are in the Corinth guild are in the Ayuka guild also. And so they were talking about going to this retreat and I'd always wanted to go on a retreat because all you do is you go and sew and eat snacks and it's so fun and talk to your friends that also love to quilt. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to, I'm like, how do you sign up for that guild? And so they told me about their monthly meetings. And so I started going to their monthly meetings and um, got to go on, got going on the retreats and all that. But now I did start doing more stuff on Instagram quilting wise. Um, and that was, that all started, I was looking for some, um, octopus fabric for a while my one son was like obsessed with he's really artistic and he was drawing all these squids and octopies and everything and I was like I want to get some fabric and make him something that has like octopus fabric on it so I'd found this quilt shop um I googled you know octopus fabric just on just on google and um it came up with this brass octopus quilt shop and that quilt shop was in Rockton Illinois and so and they did have octopus fabric and I, so they had daily specials and stuff. So I'd sort of check in and see what was on special and stuff. And I didn't realize that these people knew who I was ordering from them because they were a small business. And um, so they were talking about this like Facebook thing that they had coming up. And so I watched the Facebook thing and she's like, oh, Marcella's here. Marcella orders from us all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, they know who I am. And so then um, at one point, so that's that's what started my journey into the internet world, I guess. Hi, I'm Maria Zerang. You're listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at MAC, and today I'm talking with quilter Marcella Harville, who is also a recipient of this year's Folk Arts Fellowship grant. Um, well, um, you know, whenever we came back uh, from the break, before we were talking about uh, quilting guilds and you kind of uh, transitioning from learning on YouTube to kind of being a part of a community and uh, talking to local quilters. So I thought it would be great to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, these guilds, right? You're a part of the 
Cross City Peacemakers uh, Quilt Guild in Corinth, and the Needle Chasers Quilt Guild in Iuka, which I love that name. It's so funny. <laughs> or funny. But uh, why don't you talk about the guild? You know, who are the people in the guild? What are the meetings like? Um, what types of things do y'all do together? Yeah, it has been so fun for me to be in a guild. If there's any quilters listening that aren't in a guild, they should think about checking out their local guild um, because there's a lot of community and a lot of stuff that happens in a guild. So at, uh, at our typical meetings in Corinth and Iuka, we'll go to the meeting. Um, the Corinth meetings, they have sewing time before the meeting. And so basically you're just there with your sewing machine or your hand sewing, or some people bring like their crochet or whatever they want to do. And you're just sitting there talking to your friends and doing your activity. And that's lovely. And then, um, then we'll have a lunch break and we'll all eat lunch together. And then we um, have the actual meeting. And so the meeting has, um, is run by the president. Um, there's a president, vice president, um, the secretary, the treasurer. Um, and then we have specialized um, officers also. Like we have a sunshine director and that person um, is in charge of like, if people are sick and stuff like that, they'll send them to get well. Like I just got a get well card for, I had COVID last week and I was like, it did really lift my spirits to get a get well card. I was like, Oh my wow. gosh, I see why we do this. And so um, I've been the vice president of the Corinth guild and I've been the secretary of the Corinth guild. When you're youngish, they try to um, make you their little pet and get you real involved and keep you forever. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, Oh, Oh, we also have a, a director over the programs program director too. Um, so what they'll do, they'll start out the meeting and they'll say what our finances are. We do different fundraising things and stuff, um, which a lot of guilds, both the guilds I'm involved in, they do like, they make quilts for different community things um, for like kids that need quilts or um, sometimes stuff for the um, different living homes, stuff like that. Um, so uh, so that's mostly what we try to fundraise stuff for, but they also will, um, sometimes we'll spend our funds for, um, to have a special teacher come in or something like that and teach a technique. Um, so there's different classes you can take through guilds. Um, so they'll run the meet. So they'll tell, they'll, we'll talk about finances. We'll talk about different projects that you have, we have coming up. And then at some point, in both of the guilds, they'll have where somebody shows like a certain technique or how to make a block or it can be anything. Um, so it's good to, you learn a lot of stuff that you would never even think about learning. And even things you think you know, sometimes the way somebody teaches it, you're like, oh, that's a good way to do that. So they always encourage everybody to sign, if you're in the guild, to sign up to do a program. Um, and it can be easy. It can be something you think is so easy that can really help somebody else. Um, I remember the first time I signed up, you know, they were really pressuring people to sign up and do a program. And I signed up and I thought, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. All these people know so much more what they're doing than me. Um, so I really had a little imposter syndrome about that. But the thing about a quilt guild is everybody is lovely and supportive. I, I remember standing up there and just shaking. And I remember my voice shaking and trying to show these girls it's all women in our both guilds right now um show them what to do and I thought gosh all these people are just going to laugh because they all know how to do this but everybody's supportive and they loved it and people told me even though 
even though I know they could tell I was so nervous, they told me how good I did. And it was fantastic. And I, so I teach programs all the time now, because once you do it one time, then, I mean, you can stand up in front of your friends usually and teach them something. So once they're, once you were like, oh, these are my friends, they don't care what I teach them, you know? So, and they're yeah. not going to make fun of me. So um, it, it's a good experience to um, show somebody what to do. And then it helps, it locks it. They say, they say, if you can teach it, you truly know it also, you oh, know, yeah, so of course. it really helps you to work through all the different, oh, that's why I do it this way, sort of things that yeah. you come across. So. Now, you said you had been quilting for seven years. How long have you been in these two guilds? I'd say it's probably been around five-ish years now. Oh, wow. Okay. So the first two years you were... The first couple years I was on my own. And now things changed a little bit with the guilds during COVID. Um, we had the one, both guilds, we had a very long break um, because... Most most of the folks in our quilt guilds are elderly, and at the beginning of COVID, you didn't know how things were. So we had probably about six months that we didn't even meet at all during COVID, and um, the first meetings at each place back, they had them outside. Um, so, and the one one of my friends, Bonnie, I was like, Bonnie, did you just stay home and quilt? I said, did you make eighty seven quilts? Because she is prolific; she makes so many, and so she's like no I only made 14 I was like well that's pretty good yeah. <laughs> so, oh, wow. um, so a lot of quilters were happy we just stayed home and quilted you know um, <laughs> so but um so and then you know it's at some of the first meetings we had to you know they had to vote on whether we were wearing masks if masks were required that sort of thing you know because it had sort of been so um you know, they had to change some of the guidelines and stuff, but we did get back to, we, uh, Corinth, we had to meet in a different place, um, because the, um, place that we meet is owned by the government and they weren't back open yet for, to have meetings over a certain number. Um, yeah. and we were too large of a number for that. Uh, so the COVID did change stuff around and that, that's sort of when I really got into stuff more online of the, um, of quilting stuff. Um, because at my, at my day gig, I was, uh, they were having us flex off time. And so, um, I was home a lot more. And so I was like, so that was, um, when I started this, that sort of when the 2019 is really when I started doing a lot more online quilting stuff. And that's really been a fun experience also. Um, because now, you, when, oh, I'm sorry. sorry go ahead. Well, I just wanted to clarify whenever you mentioned online, or is this the stuff that you're talking about, the Facebook and Instagram, the social media interactions, not just YouTube, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So this was more of Instagram and a little bit of Facebook. Instagram is mostly where I do a lot of my quilting stuff now. Um, now, when the Brass Octopus was still open, it was some YouTube stuff. Um, and so I had joined a virtual guild through the Brass Octopus was this quilt shop in um Rockton, Illinois. Um, and the pandemic sort of had the, they went out of business after the end of the pandemic. It was hard for them. But um, so, but so on, on these social communities, you can meet um, people from all over the world that do quilting. So during the pandemic is when um, I started getting into English paper piecing. And that's a very specialized sort of quilting. There's not a lot of people that do that. Um, 
And that's called English paper piecing because it's very big in England. Um, it started, I think, in like the 1600s in England. Um, you guys can check me on that. It's probably, I'm, I might be off a little bit. But so they've been doing it over in England forever. And so it's specialized. You have this piece of like cardstock sort of paper that you fold fabric around and you either sew that fabric around it or you glue with fabric glue that comes off, washable fabric glue that the fabric to it. And so there's, you can meet people from England, from everywhere, Australia, everywhere that's doing this English paper piecing on these social um, medias. And so um, I'd started doing stuff on Instagram. There was this gal that she was doing this, um, this hexi flower sew along. And so um, there's these, the English paper piecing, the hexagon is probably the most common shape that people use. And you can sew it together, sew them together in a way that they form like, like a flower shape. You have one hexagon in the middle and then there are six petals that go around it and it looks like a flower and it's adorable. And so she was doing this um, that she'd give you every week. She'd give you a different prompt. And so you could look through your fabric and she'd give you just like maybe it would be weather or maybe it would be like up or maybe it would be like uh I can't even think of all the, sometimes it'd be like animal or, I mean, so many, she's very creative. She's a teacher. So she has all these, I mean, and very organized. So she had every week she would post what the prompt was. And so you would make a hexi flower or sometimes in my case, more, far more than one, because you were looking through your fabric and you're like, oh, that creatively meets the prompt, you know? And so <laughs> you would, so I would make all these hexi flowers. And so then you start interacting with people because they'll comment on your stuff. And it's a bunch of people doing this. So, so along. And the, um, so they'll comment on your posts and you're all sort of following the same hashtag and the same people. And so um, this gal, she's spring daisy stitchery is what she goes by on Instagram. Um, and she made up patterns. I don't think she's big making them right now. They just moved from one place to another, but um, so she was doing, patterns and so she had asked because I, I, some people drop out of sew alongs and drop back in and you know it's it's low key you know you can make the thing that week or if you're sick that week while well, you didn't make one and you didn't get to post your pictures and it's not the end of the world you know and so um I'd done it the whole year and so she was doing a um pattern test and what she wanted was different if different people wanted to make her pattern and um provide feedback on it and so uh, I made I made a I made one of her. I said yes. I was like I do want to do that. I have all these hexi flowers made. I was like I yes I want to use them up. And so um, I've done two different pattern tests for her. And I love pattern testing for her because she doesn't have anything in mind other than that you that you have feedback for her. Uh, she doesn't care what I do with the backgrounds creatively. She does, I mean, she, she lets me, turns me loose. So that she does, you know, doesn't demand I have a solid background or anything. And so it depends, you know, depending on the sort of person that you're testing for, they might have different stipulations or whatever. Uh, and she would just want us to post the picture. Um, like she'd tell you when to post pictures of your quilt tops so that it gets people excited if they might want to buy her pattern sort of thing. Um, and so, and I also do, um, another sew along, um, and this gal, she changes her every year. She changes what shape of English paper piecing you do. There's different shapes of them. And so we're doing like the, along, we're doing the honeycomb and that's like an elongated hexagon this year, but we've also done like a diamond shape before. Um, so it's a good way if you're a quilter and you want to, um, uh, meet some more people that, that aren't from around here. Sometimes as a quilter, you don't know a lot of people. 
um, that also quilt because there's only some of us in this world. And so they, um, it's a good way to meet people and you do feel like you know them. You, and especially if you join a pattern test um, because you get put into a chat with people. And so you, you start, you guys, you talk back and forth about the pattern and what people did on this part of the pattern or what people did on that part of the pattern um, or what, what fabrics people are using, you know, all things quilters like to talk about what fabrics they're using, what colors they're thinking of, what they're going to do for the backing, what they're going to do yeah. for the binding. So um, wow. and you talk through the, through the, through your phone or your, you know, whatever you want to do that away, your computer. And um, so it's been, it's been a way for me to meet people and you do feel like, you know, them, like there's some, I've, um, there's one gal that we were doing a sew along together and, um, We've actually traded fabrics through the mail um, because she was needing some fabric. She was needing some Charlie Harper fabric. Um, he's an artist that um, they make fabrics of his art. And so she was trying to do uh, a certain pattern and she wanted some more Charlie Harper fabric. And I had some. And so I said, well, let me just send you what's how much do you need? What size, you know? And so I would, I sent her some fabric. And so she said, well, let me trade some with you. So she sent me some stuff that I didn't have. So you do feel like, you know, people after a little while online. Wow. I love that. I love that story. Now, where did she live? Where did you send the fabric? Uh, she lives in Montana and I live here oh. in Mississippi. So yeah, yeah. I just love that because, you know, you have a lot of local community uh, in the IUPA and Corinth guilds. And I just think that's so great that you get like all of that information, like the local knowledge. And then you also have this robust community online where you're like talking to people um, all around the U.S. and then in England and, uh, you know, all over. I've traded just... hexagons with a girl in England before, actually, too. <laughs> so we sent them through oh, the mail because awesome. they're there. You can put them in a, an envelope with like a card. Um, because you fold the fabric around the hex and you put, and so it's the same as like mailing a letter or a little bit more than mailing a letter, but it's, yeah, so it's not, like not a, ridiculous international shipping that way. <laughs> yeah, open penthouse. I, I love it. I think that's so cool. What a great story and just kind of a great way to, you know, interact with other people who share the same passion as you. I just love that. Um, you can never have enough quilting friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Hi, I'm Maria Zerang. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And 
we're back. You're listening to MPV Think Radio. This is the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm your host, Maria Zarang, and today I'm talking with quilter Marcella Harville. If you're just joining us, you missed a wonderful story before the break. Um, Marcella was telling us all about the friendships that she's made in her online community of quilters and her local guild where she um, meets people, you know, regionally who also quilt as well. Now, during the break, Marcella was telling me about her, how she met her quilty best friend. And I just think it's, uh, I think we should share that. So, Marcella, why don't you talk about that? Okay, so after I'd been quilting for a little bit, I just loved quilting so much. So I just started asking everybody I knew if they knew how to quilt. And so at work, we have these salespeople that come in and um so this one gal came in and she comes from over at memphis and uh so she's like well what have you been up to lately i was like well i was like let me tell you what i've been doing not at work i was like i've been quilting and she's like oh she's like i love quilting i'm like you do and she's like i do i was like oh my gosh i'm like shelby you live so close dude and she's like yeah i'm like so then it ends up she loves like the same fabric designer as me. We both love Tula Pink fabric. Um, it's so bright and just she does all these fantastic prints. And so we both loved her. And she's like 14 years younger than me. And so anyway, she comes over from Memphis now to the quilt retreat. She's technically part of the Ayuka Guild so that she can come to quilt retreats. And we go to quilt retreats together and we message each other back and forth about um what we're working on and she's got going in English paper piecing. And so she sends me like stuff that she does English paper piecing now pictures of that. And um, so anyway, it was such a random way to find out that somebody quilts. But so if you're a quilter and you want to make a quilting fr best friend, just start asking everyone, you know, if they quilt and probably some of them do. <laughs> oh yeah. I know you've been pretty lucky in all of their friends. I have. Been. Gosh, and then being in, in this area with two guilds, I mean, do you think there's just a lot more quilters in this region of Mississippi, or have you found that? It is lucky to have two guilds so close to me yeah. in, in a small area, um, because I know now some of the gals, they drive from like down at, from Tennessee, we're close to Tennessee here, so they'll drive, some of them will drive from Tennessee, so some of them drive close to like 45 minutes to an hour. Now, yeah. when I go to Yucca, I drive it's about 45 minutes for me to go there from my house. Um, so, uh, but, so we are lucky. Now, a lot of big cities do have quilt guilds. Um, and now they're big. I, one of our teachers came to uh, Corinth and she was teaching us and she's a member of the, um, oh, I hope I get it right. I think she's from Birmingham. Um, but she, um, there are hundreds of people in her guild. Uh, she told us the exact number and I can't remember it. And I said, well, how do you ever know anybody? And she said, well, she said, you do start to make friends after you've gone for a while. She said, it takes a little bit to get to know folks. She said, but you yeah. do get to know them. Um, Cause our guilds are smaller. Um, I think we usually have around 30 ish people in each guild, um, probably 30 to 40. Uh, but it's not, you do get to know everybody really well in a small guild. Um, you feel like they're definitely, most of them are definitely your close friends by the time you've right. been in guild for a few years. Yeah, like big enough to where you can kind of have all these different quilting experiences and uh, people sharing all their different techniques, but small enough to not be intimidating to where you can get to yeah, know. Like, like you feel that you know people, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you had touched on, this was, uh, I think, in our last segment, 
you had touched on a little bit about quilting and how you quilt uh, or, or just kind of pass on things to other members of the guild. Can you talk about teaching classes and how that experience has been for you? Yeah. So at my day job, everybody knows that I quilt, you know, because I talk to everybody about it. It's hard to get me to stop. And they, um, so some of them were interested in wanting to quilt also. And they said, well, you should like teach a class. And I said, well, I said, maybe I will. I'll have to figure out like what to teach and stuff. And then there was one gal that I work with and um, she's, she was looking for a hobby. Uh, her uh, oldest son is in college. And then she's like me, her youngest son is like in high school and kind of ignores mom anymore, you know, that sort of thing. And she loved to do puzzles. And I said, well, Cindy, if you like to do puzzles, I guarantee you would love to make a quilt. And so um, she'd asked me, this was, this was prior to other people asking me. And so I, I told her some YouTube tutorials she should watch. And so she got into watching some of these YouTube tutorials. And um, so she ended up making quilts. And she, uh, so she, she sews quilts sometimes now. And so, but then other people at work started asking me to teach a class. And so uh, one of the gals in Quilt Guild, she has a quilt shop here in town and she'd moved from one location to another. And she said that she had um, a little bit more room and she was thinking about having some classes. And I said, well, I said, there's been a few people at work that were wanting to take a class. And so she said, well, why don't you, she said, she, she, she thought about it a little bit. And the next time I'd seen her, she said, Marcel, why don't you teach a class at the shop? And I said, yeah, I want to do some sort of beginner quilt. And so what I've learned from my first teaching experience of teaching an actual class is probably I would start smaller next time. Like instead of doing, we did a throw size quilt. And so probably the next class I do, it'd be more like maybe we'll do like a table runner or a table topper, um, something smaller, or maybe a baby quilt, because there's a lot of steps to the quilt making. So it ended up, we ended up having to lengthen the time of the class. Um, because since it was my first experience teaching a class, I'd, I'd sort of underestimated the time things would take. Um, yeah. So the, um, so I would just go smaller to keep it more because, um, Otherwise, people start to feel like a little like, okay, sort of over it, I think. But yeah. so that so in the future, I'll do something smaller. Um, so, but it's, it's a good experience because when you teach something, you do really have to think about every single thing that you're doing. Like, so I've thought about every single thing of quilt making, every single stitch now of why I do what I do, because people will ask you things and you're like, okay, let me think about why I do it that way. And sometimes it's just as simple as, well, that's how the tutorial, the one of the first tutorials I ever saw did it. So now I always do it that way. Or sometimes it's like, oh, I changed that because I decided that I like to hand stitch my binding onto the back of the quilt now, that sort of thing. Where the, at the very first, I had learned to do the machine attached the binding to both sides. So um, it, it was interesting to think, to go through, um, it's, it's interesting to see why you do everything you do, I guess. Um, yeah. It makes you really ponder why it is I'm doing this <laughs> in particular. <laughs> why I point, point my needle this way. Why I put my sewing machine on this speed. Why? I mean, every single thing. Because people have questions. And they're questions that when you've been do doing it for a little while, you don't think of that that was a question anymore. You just do it. So, 
Wow, that's cool. So it kind of really slows down the process for you. I just, yeah. I, and you had mentioned that before, just how teaching, you really learn something. You learn it even better than when you first learned it by breaking it down to pass it on to someone else. Um, well, I want to, you know, you're um, kind of in the younger generation of quilters, uh, especially at your guild, you know, you had said that. Um, I what am in, yeah. in Corinth, I'm definitely the younger. Online, there are some quilters that are very young that, um, uh, I th and I think a lot of young people like it because it's artistic. It is artistic. It's like a way of expressing yourself. Um, so, but yeah, so I'm like at the older end of the young quilters now. But yeah, um, because I was, it was interesting. The Spring Daisy Stitchery, I realized after having some conversations through text with her, I'm like, oh, she's like my child's age. Like, <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, or very close to my child's age, actually, yeah. my oldest child. And so, um, but uh, because quilting is so artistic and there's so many different ways you can do things. There's some places in big cities, they have like quilt guilds that are like modern only guilds mm -hmm. and like, you know, spe very specific, very specific sorts of guilds. Um, because I know over at Memphis, they have a modern quilting guild. Um, so, and I, I, I think Tupelo has several guilds also because they're a larger area. Yeah. But so sometimes you could get really specific. But yeah, so, but I think the pandemic also helped like a younger group of people get interested in quilting because people had time on their hands. And when you're scrolling through some of this social media and you see some of these beautiful things, you're like, oh I want to do that so right. I think the pandemic helped bring some younger people to quilting also so um but people are in sewing is not a dying art people are into quilting yeah. um and people are into garment making and fashion I know my niece um she wanted a sewing machine when she was little um and she wanted it like to make clothes for herself and stuff so it's definitely a skill, but I don't think a dying art. Um, I think oh, we can yeah. keep it alive. I think it's still vibrant. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I think so, too. But, yeah, I just wanted to ask with that, like, um, what advice do you have for younger quilters, you know, starting out? Um, any tips, any, um, any advice to give them? Yes. If you want to make a quilt, do it. You're going to love it. It's so fun. Uh, it is, it is such a fun experience. It's, I tell people quilting is sort of like running a marathon um, because it is a long haul process. So maybe if you don't want a, such a long project, make it like a pot holder or make, if you want to sew a quilt, make a block and see if you liked that. And then if you did like that, make another block or, you know, find there's definitely, if you're interested, start it. Um, if you could find out if there's a guild in your area, because anybody in a guild would love to have you. You don't have to know how to do a quilt to, to sew a quilt to join a guild. You just have to like quilts is what we tell people. Um, we have a lot of people that have joined our guild that knew nothing about sewing. And that's fine because you will find someone there. You will find a whole group of people there that will want to talk to you about quilting and show you all sorts of stuff about quilting. So I would recommend seeing if there's a guild in your area. Um, and you might not be lucky enough to have a guild in your area. So if there's not, I would definitely go online and on Instagram, you could follow some like hashtags, um, like about the, um, quilting, like follow quilting 
uh, quilt life. Um, Quilter is going to quilt. Uh, there's all kinds of any sort of quilting hashtag and you'll start seeing quilts and you'll start seeing, you will start, you'll find they do all sorts of different sew alongs for very specialized um, from foundation paper, all different sorts of quilts you can make because maybe the first block you make isn't the kind of quilting you like. There is like millions of different kinds of quilting and I didn't think I would like English paper piecing and I love it. So, and I'm so glad that I ever tried it. Yeah. And so well, I have to say, okay, so we only have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to, uh, I didn't want to leave this interview before talking about the fellowship and, you know, <clears throat> how do you feel about winning the Folk Arts Fellowship Grant uh, that we do at MAC and kind of what do you plan to do with uh, that time? When I found out that I got that grant, I was over the moon because it was like, more than I even thought I could hope for because it was the, the whole state of Mississippi could apply. And uh, my one son, when I was applying for it, I'd had everybody in my family proof has proofread that application. Okay. They're sick of it. I'm sure. And my one son, he said, mom, he said, do you think you're going to get this? And I said, no, I said, I don't sweetie. I said, but I want to apply and I want to try. And so um, I was over the moon when I found out I got it because it seemed like just Oh, more than I could hope to ever get. And so I'd found out about it from um, the Tishomingo Arts Council um, is really, um, I love them. They, they think quilts are art and I 100% agree. They follow, I, they do all sorts of stuff for the community art-based. And so I'd found out about the grant from Brent Bonds used to be over the Tishomingo Arts Council and they are a fantastic organization. Yeah. And um, he'd said that there was this grant and that you know, I should apply. And so I did. And um, it, because it was more than I could even hope for, I didn't even plan exactly what I would want to do. So that's still in the works. Uh, I have, I've, I've got a couple things in my mind. The big thing that I'm wanting to do most, I think I want to make all these people online are doing um, self-portrait quilts. And oh, so wow. I want to do sort of a spinoff of that, of different various self-portraits that would also involve English paper piecing frames. So that's the biggest project I have in mind. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app.